You're listening to Inspired Edinburgh, a weekly interview show that brings you raw and powerful conversations with fascinating people from all walks of life. Our mission is to inspire and encourage you to reflect on your identity, beliefs, purpose and worldview. If you enjoy this, please subscribe for future episodes and feel free to contact us via any of our social media channels. Thank you in advance for taking the time to listen to the show and we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh, the home of powerful conversations. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Mustafa Salame. Mustafa is an explorer, inspirational speaker, fundraiser and author. You're one of only 15 people to have completed the Explorer's Grand Slam, a truly astonishing feat which involves climbing the seven highest summits in all seven continents, as well as conquering the North and South Poles. Your journey began in 2004 following a vivid dream in which you were reciting the call to prayer from the world's highest peak. You followed this calling and became the first Jordanian to climb Mount Everest in 2008 and in the same year were knighted by King Abdullah II of Jordan. Four years into your sporting career, you made a conscious decision to climb for a purpose. In the spirit of helping those in need, you launched three successful initiatives that raise millions for charity. In March 2016, you published your first book titled Dreams of a Refugee. And a large part of your time is now passionately invested in inspiring and motivating children, youths and adults into realising their own dreams in the same way you have. Mustafa, it's an honour and a privilege to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It really is. Um, I'm just blown away by the the magnitudes of your achievements. It's uh, quite impressive. Thank you. I mean, it's just, it's really something else. How does it feel, you know, sitting here today, Hearing all that back, I mean, what does it make you think? It's, I mean, you know, of course it's amazing. I'm, br- I'm very proud to, to have achieved what I achieved. And uh, two days ago I arrived uh, Edinburgh from Dublin and, yeah, and I've just had a walk to go to the castle and Royal Mile and stuff. And I just felt uh, just to go in the years when I moved in 1998 to this beautiful city, hmm. how everything has changed. But... In the same time, I looked at myself as the, you know, as the normal Mustafa when I'm sitting with my friends and stuff. Nothing would change as me, but with all the achievement, of course, this is something that uh, I thrive to do to inspire and help other people to mm. achieve their dreams. Yeah, absolutely amazing. What does the city of Edinburgh represent to you? What does it mean to you? You know what? Edinburgh is home for me. Like I'm, I'm from Jordan. I love my country. I'm proud to be Jordanian and uh, I love being in Amman. But you know, when I, the minute I put my foot in Edinburgh, I just feel in peace and I, I, I really feel home. And I think this city gave me where there is no city had given me in my life. And I think this is what made Mustafa the explorer Mustafa. <laughs> is Edinburgh, Scotland, and especially the whole whole of Scotland. But this city, this city means uh, it means a lot to me. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so, I mean, it would be great if we could, you know, go back to, I suppose, your your early life. You know, where you grew up, what the circumstances were like, and, and sure. I suppose maybe the way in which that has sort of shaped you. Yeah, I mean, 
My family came from Palestine uh, as a refugee in 1948 to Jordan. And uh, from that point, uh, I think uh, being raised, I was raised in Kuwait and came back to the refugee camp. I was also raised in refugee camp in a way. And I think this small place has always made me feel that I wanted to do something, something that beyond the refugee camp. And... I had a great life with, you know, I had a, a wonderful family, my mom and dad, they have 10 brothers and sister. We had a great, we had a great love in this little small flat that we live in. I wouldn't call it a flat as well. <laughs> we had one room where uh, nine bu- bunks bed where all we slept and my mom and dad slept in one room. And a room half size, this room, will be all of us to stay there and do our homework. And my mom will be cooking in the middle of the room. Now, when I finished school, I couldn't go to university. My dad couldn't afford to send me to university. So I had to start working as a waiter in different restaurants in in Jordan. And from there, I always wanted to get out. And I always wanted to get out to the Shakespeare land because when I was in school. I was very interested. My dad was very into theater and he always had these books about Shakespeare and stuff. And I was reading uh, in Arabic and it was really like I, 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 I thought of England is, or Britain is the getaway for me. Mm. And by total chance, I'm serving a table at the restaurant and I meet uh, um, uh, a guy who's the uh, Jordanian ambassador brother in London. And he said, would you like to go to London? His brother is looking for somebody to work in his house. And this is how I moved to the UK in 1992. I was 22 years old. I didn't know anybody. And I was working in a big, massive, beautiful house in one of the most prestigious uh, area, which is Billy Gravia Place in London. Mm-hmm. So coming from this small place to that, it was amazing. But I felt more trapped in that place than I was in the other place because I was working high security, working for the ambassador, the King of Jordan, King Hussein used to come, other uh, other big names used to come to the house and I used to serve them coffees and, and they used to clean. But my in my imagination, say in my small little room in the basement house of that big house, I just wanted to get out and, and get out from there and try, because I didn't speak any English. Everyone yeah, spoke yeah. Arabic. And I really wanted to speak English. So, so I left the embassy and I lived in, in England for years with no papers or anything. And I started working in the kitchen, washing dishes for four years. And learning how to speak English, I used to put paper uh, uh, in front of me and writing some verbs and, and, and words to learn how to speak English. And, and in four years, they, they moved me to the bar and I was promoted to be a waiter again. And I was really happy. And my main objective was to help my family and keep my, my brother and my sister at school and, and, and try to get them out from, um, from this place to a bigger place. And I did really well. I was sending them some money, but I saved some money. And my aim is to study. And by chance, I come to, uh, to, 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 uh, to the cinema and I watch Braveheart, <laughs> Mel Gibson. And, you know, I came out like thinking, wow, this is where I want to go. I want to go to Scotland and find my freedom and all that. <laughs> and, I left it for a while and then transporting came out and I watched transporting and I think, oh, this is exactly where I'm going to go. <laughs> That's the place. <laughs> so oh, I, I, I came to Scotland 
to for two weeks just to explore the country and i've joined uh, uh, to go for uh, to do my um, scuba dive in open water believe it or not in open where you don't see anything <laughs> uh, uh, but i've learned how to do it came back and i've loved the city like i fall in love the minute i saw that castle edinburgh castle yeah i just fall in love with the city and i thought you know i feel i belong here so I came back to London, back all my stuff. I have one month notice to my work, and I thought this is when I come back. and And I moved to Scotland in 1998. <laughs> so that was the turning point. Is moving to to Scotland 1998, and you know I, I used to live in Newton and Mentor Street in a small basement flat where the electricity you have to keep putting bloody money so that it just <laughs> yeah, yeah. keep going and sometimes you don't have any change and there is no you, you either <laughs> have some change or so but it was it was it was a good time you know I, I loved it and and I remember when I moved there I absolutely knew nobody like I knew nobody in Scotland mm-hmm. and when I moved uh, the first time I came uh, in July something August was the city was massive there were lots of stuff going in the city it was the fringe and I was like so happy going in the street looking at everything and and I always wanted to learn how to play piano, especially Moonlight Sonata. That was like my thing. And mm-hmm. in Nickerson in, in, in Street, there is a place where they sell pianos and stuff and rent piano. And I went to the guy and I said, I want to rent a piano. And I rent a piano for six months. And I said, do you know a teacher? He said, yeah. So the teacher was around the corner where I lived in Newton. And I went there and said, listen, I want to play, I want to know how to play Moonlight Sonata. And she said, do you want to learn how to read music? I said, no, 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 I just want to learn. <laughs> and six months online, I'm playing Moonlight Sonata. So I thought that's really? what I want. I, I, I brought back the, 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 the piano and, you know, and I had a great time. And then I met, I met my best friend, Mark Porter for, for the first time. And, and I think from meeting Mark Porter, you know, I met all my other friends through Mark, and then, of course, met more friends through through Clapping as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's actually it's scary to think that 1998 was nearly 20 years ago. You know, it was. Oh my God, it was 20 years. Yeah, ago. yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, Mustafa, at that stage, what were your your ambitions and your aspirations? Where did you sort of see yourself in the future? Do you know my ambitions? was to to become a general manager for a five-star hotel, five-star hotel. That's what I wanted because I knew then when I become a general manager, I could travel the world. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I really wanted. And I, I worked really hard. I was working with the Sheraton while studying at Queen Margaret University. And I really worked hard. And, and I loved the hospitality. I loved the whole things about the hospitality. I loved being in the hotel. And I worked really hard until I become the assistant uh, uh, food and beverage manager in the Sheraton. Uh, and this is, was really my ambitions. I didn't really have, you know, I didn't have anything else. You know, I, I wanted, I used to read a lot. Like I, I was, I, I love reading. I was reading a lot about lots of his stuff, history and geography. And this is, was my main thing, spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that I want to do is to travel the world. I really wanted to come because I stayed in in the UK for so many years. I couldn't get out because I didn't have any. Because if I went out, I wouldn't be able to come back. So, mm-hmm. so <laughs> after that, I sort out all my papers and stuff. 
but before that, I, I really wanted to establish everything, get my degree, uh, get my experience in hotel, and become assistant general manager so I could be moved to Asia somewhere or Middle East and stuff and become a general manager. So mm-hmm. that's my biggest ambitious. Mm-hmm. And, and so how did that then, how did you end up going off course? <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I mean, everything completely changed because of a dream that I have. And I, I in 2004, in January, I woke up from a dream. I was totally sweating. And I saw myself in the top of the world praying for peace. Uh, I remember I used to live in, in the West End. And... Um, uh, in West Maitland Street, <laughs> yeah. and I was, I went to Google the highest point on earth. I have no idea what was the highest point on earth. I, I don't know. Everest was the highest point on earth. Mm-hmm. In that time, no idea. The minute I had the dream and sat down in the computer, I thought it was in the United States because I know everything big is in the United States, but it wasn't, of course, in the United States, and. You know, Google and everything. I mean, I was totally like in a shock because what I saw was something, it was something telling me, like it was something calling me, like it was not just a dream. It was some sort of, uh, you know, it was some sort of, um, what would I call it? Was it like uh, a premonition? Yes. Yeah, like yes, a, a vision a, that you a just... visionary, like, and I saw it so clearly. And because I wake up so sweating, and went to the kitchen, roll a cigarette, and like you know, and I start googling and stuff. And every time I'm reading, I'm thinking, "Oh my God, this is getting bigger and bigger." But in that time, I was reading a book about Christopher Columbus, and I remember straight away Christopher Columbus because he had a godly dream. He saw a vision by discovering the new world, and nobody believed in him. Uh, and he, he approached the king of England, the king of uh, Portugal, the king of France, and everyone turned him down until Queen uh, Isabella of Spain heard about his story and the myth that she sold her uh, uh, crown jewel and funded his uh, voyage. And this is how he uh, uh, discovered uh, uh, the new world. So... In, in that split of a moment, I, I, you know, I had so much thought in my head, but I didn't know how to put it together. I just wanted to tell my friends. The next day, we were opening a, a restaurant called Santini in the Sheraton, and I invited my best friends. And I was telling them, you know, this is what... They were a fight, they were a fight club in Glasgow going, and because I used, to, I used to box, and I liked to box, and I was telling my friend... Uh, uh, Benji, you know, if I said, no, I think you should go for Everest. I mean, everyone thought I was mental when I told them <laughs> I'm going to climb Everest. And, you know, everyone said, oh, you've been taking anything last night. I said, no, I wasn't taking anything. I totally, totally super when I had that dream. So, so everyone was like not sure what I was talking about. And I left that restaurant and I know that everyone was thinking, what the, what's, what's wrong with him? <laughs> but I was so serious then. Like I start Googling everything and I contact a friend of mine who's into hiking and I told him, he said, oh my, my, this is so expensive, da, da, da. And then I thought, you know what? The King of Jordan is the guy going to help me. Like Christopher Columbus, I'm going to get to the King. How I'm going to get the King? I don't have a, a father who is my, my dad was a lorry driver. He wouldn't know any connection in, 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 in the Middle East. So I, I went to His Majesty's website trying to figure out how I'm going to get. And I said, you know, media is the best things. So 
we had this guy from Scotsman used to come to the restaurant and I thought this is the guy to contact. So I contacted him and said, listen, I had a dream. This is what I'm doing, you know, and I want to climb for peace. He was so kind. He, he did an interview with me in the Sheraton and he said, okay, I'm going to send a photographer with you to go and, and do uh, some photos so we could put it. I said, okay. So the next morning, this guy came in. His name is Stephen said, okay, we're going to go to Arthur's seat. I said, all right. I think the only time I went to Arthur's seat when I uh, was completely uh, uh, high in my head. <laughs> and, I, I, and he said, you know, we're just, we're just going to walk. So I was working with him. I, I, I was smoking two packets of cigarettes at that time. Oh, yeah. I was totally unfit. So like working to, totally out of breath. And he said, are you Mustafa, the one who's going to climb Everest? I said, yes. He said, are you sure? I said, yes, I am. <laughs> so he went up to Arthur's seat and he want me to climb a bit. I said, listen, I, I don't know how to climb. He said, he said, oh my God. He said, so he had to go in, like he had to lay down in the floor and take a photo and it looked like I was climbing something. So two days later, I have this excellent, like two beiges, the Scotsman. For me, like hanging in a rock and everyone, like all my friends, like sending messages, what, what the hell are you doing with this? So, so great photo. I used that to send to Jordan. I didn't hear anything until uh, a magazine called Joe Magazine, very famous magazine. And I know the king read that magazine as well. It was like one of the top magazines. So get in contact with the guy, the chief editor. They were really interested. He said, you're very lucky. I was supposed to put somebody in the cover, but something happened. You could go in the cover. Wrote a great story. Put me in the cover. It went out. So my dream was January 2004. The the article went in uh, March 2004. The end of March or middle of March, I have a call from the Royal Palace in Jordan. And he says, we want to see you. They called me at the shirt and I was like shocked. And I thought, okay, there is something happened big. So it must be the king. Came back to Jordan, sat with these guys, very clever guy who's been above 5,000 meters. And he was asking me if I'd been up to, I said, you know, I've never been, I've never been anywhere. I mean, the only place after I finished college, I went to Kashmir and I was there for, uh, was traveling through Kashmir and stuff, but, you know, not climbing or anything. So, um, you know, he said, we're going to give you a chance. We'll give you some money. And then you go and train in Nepal. I, I did this package. I called this company called Jaggy Globe, which do lots of climbing and uh, best in the UK. Called them and they said, this is what you need to do to climb Everest. You need to do 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 meter, 8,000 meter. So they bought a schedule. I took that schedule and they said, listen, we will fund the first three to go to Nepal to do a 6,000 meter, go to Tibet to 7,000 meter. And then if you climb the highest point in North America, in June, we will take you seriously. I said, okay. So, you know, never climbed a mountain in my whole life. Never been in an outdoor shop. So I came back, went to Glasgow to Great Outdoor, and then went inside the shop trying to buy uh, gear. I have this list. Never been. The guy, all his name is Ian. He was like, you know, what carabina, what ice picks? I said, listen, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I've never heard of carabina or ice picks or harness. I've never seen them. So he was showing me all the stuff. Like, you know, I picked up like this big two duffel bag, all paid for by my sponsor. And then I took these bags, went to the Sheraton. Of course, I spoke with my boss, who was very understanding. I told him about this thing. He thought I was mad as well. And he thought, okay, we'll give you some unpaid leave and see how it goes. 
So I went off to Nepal with my two duffel bag and this guy called Neil Short is one of the guys said, what, what is this you bring? And I said, listen, I have no idea. You guys took my money and I'm here. You need to show me. So I went to do Merabik. I hated it. Slept in a tent. I was like throwing up all the time. Never been in a tent before or sleeping bag, trying to wear all this stuff. I made it up to 5,500 meter and I came down. Straight met another team in in May 2004. Flew to Tibet to Lhasa for the first time in my life. Amazing experience, spirituality, seeing Buddhism and all that stuff. But in the same time, I had to go and climb a mountain called Lac Paris, and then I had snow blind because I was taking this bloody glasses off and on. I shouldn't be taking it in that height. And then. and then I had some light, came back, and they fixed my eyes at, at, at the camp. There were Italian doctors. And then from there, straight flying to United States. And I get into United States, and, and I climbed the highest point in North America. I absolutely have no idea how I climbed it. But I knew that was the turning point of my life. Because if I didn't climb it, the Royal Palace will shut everything. And said, listen, because this is what he said to me, is listen. If you don't climb it, take all the stuff we gave you, you don't need it, you go back to Scotland, to your Sheraton, work there, and never, I don't want to hear back from you. So that was in my head when I was in Alaska, and I really pushed myself to be on the top of that mountain. And I think the minute I sent that uh, picture and, 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 and told them what I did, it was a great news in Jordan. I was in the front uh, cover of all the newspaper, the first Jordanian to climb the highest point in America and stuff. You know, it's a very new thing in Jordan. We don't we don't have any adventure. Okay, we have places that amazing adventure, but it wasn't out yet. You know, we still we still. Uh, so this is was a big point, and then the the the, the sponsorship start coming. The, the Real Palace helped me the king office to talk to other companies, and and this is when when really my uh, mountaineering. Uh, career started yeah, yeah and you know I thought to myself I really need to do something like I need to train now and, and know everything about mountaineering and you know I started reading books I joined Jaggy Globe I went to France and Switzerland stayed the whole month there learned everything about mountaineering like winter mountaineering took the courses knew about everything that I need to know and from there I found out about something called the Seven Summit, which I've never heard of. And, and I think I knew that before I went to Alaska from uh, a Scottish guy called Andy Moffat, which was with me. And, 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 and Andy uh, was always taking the, taking the Mickey when I'm in a tent and I've heard something. I said, I've, I've just, I think I saw a snow leopard. And he kept every time there is something, he said, Mustafa, I think there is a snow leopard. There. <laughs> so he's a hiker and stuff. And he, he said, after we have the conversation, after I achieved whatever, he said, I have no idea you're going to be doing this. Like, there's no, I thought, what a cracker. I mean, you're just going to go back. You're not going to be able to do anything. So uh, uh, when I found out about the Seven Summit, I thought to myself, why not do the Seven Summit? You know, first of all, be in the face Jordanian, take the Jordanian flag and do the prayer and, 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 and the call of prayer from the top of this mountain. I suggested to the Royal Palace and they were happy with it. He said, okay, rather than do training with other places, you could go and do it there. And this is what I did for the first time in January 
2005, I went up to Antarctica, which was an amazing experience. And, and I summited the highest point in, in Antarctica, came back and, and then went to Africa, did that. And, you know, and then until I came to Everest in 2005 which I went up to 23,000 feet and I had a bleeding ulcer and I had to come down. So mm -hmm. I didn't make it. So I came back, you know, I got really more sponsor from other people who believed, okay, you could go back in 2007. So between 2005 and seven, I thought I'll finish all the seven summit. And I did finish five of the seven summit. Went to uh, Aconcagua and I went to Elbrus, the highest point in Europe. I went to the highest point in uh, South America. So went back to Everest in 2007 and just reaching uh, uh, the base camp and I had chest infection and I tried to get into it and start having the flu and then I dislocated my ribs and, you know, everything gone wrong. And then I had to come back paying $75,000 and not even cross the ice fall. Like, you know, I was devastated, but in the same time, I thought this is, was in my year. So I came back again to Jordan and, um, and then I, I, I couldn't find really uh, sponsors. So I came to Edinburgh. I had my flat and used to live, uh, a small flat, like, you know, uh, 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 I, I have a property that I have to sell, my car, everything. And I went out from, I thought I couldn't go with uh, an international mountain guide company. So I, I took a Sherpa. I thought I'm experienced enough now where, where, where I could go. And I did, since then, I did two 8,000 meter in Tibet, Shishan Mangma and Chiyoyo. So I sold everything. I made about 42,000. And I thought, okay, I'll go to South America again and do Aconcagua because it'll be a good preparation for Everest. And then straight to Everest, cost me $40,000. And this is when I climbed it in 2008. And I really wanted to do what Hillary did because Hillary climbed, it was the queen coronation and I wanted to make a big thing. So I thought 25th of May is Jordan Independence Day. I <laughs> thought, you know, this is the day I want to climb. I stayed in the mountain for 72 days for two reasons. One, the Chinese were taking the torch, the Olympic torch from the north side. And the free Tibet flag was always being taken to uh, um, uh, Everest every year. But this year they were like, no one were allowed because they don't want to jeopardize anything with the Chinese. So the Nepalese army was like at 21,000 feet searching wow. people. No free Tibet flag, nothing with any <laughs> slogan. And they, I remember catching one Canadian and one American, and then they have to chuck them off the mountain after they're paying all this money. So I, I have a very strong belief and feeling about Tibet because of the Palestinian issue as well. So, mm -hmm. and my friend Lakpa, who we become very good friends, we climbed Everest together. He's a Tibetan Sherpa. So we say in, in, uh, in Namshi Bazaar, and I thought, you know what, I want to take that flag. So we, I, I bought a baby wipes and I cut the, the, the things in. I put the flag inside it. And then with the, with the lighter, we just like completely cover it. You know, I went up to every space camp. Nobody said anything. I have the free Tibet flag at 26,000 feet. I said to Lakpa, where is the flag? So we, we found the, uh, 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 the baby wipes, open it, got the flag, went up to the top. 
took a photo of the Jordanian flag, Palestinian, Scottish flag, and then the Free Tibet flag. Now, when I went to the top, I had a, a satellite phone. I called His Majesty. I told him about what I did. I called my mom and my dad. And my mom says, I, I was saying, my mom, you know, I'm top of the world. You know, please ask God for my safety and stuff. And she said, did you have your breakfast yet? I said, <laughs> I said, mom, I'm in the top. Yes, I had a bar of chocolate. Are you, are you warm? Yes, mom, I am warm. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Just give me my dad. <laughs> so um, when I came down, I I gave the photos of the free Tibetan and I had no idea I was the only person to take that free Tibet flag. So it went straight in the news. You know, it was great. I had I had a letter coming from the uh, Dalai Lama office to thank me about what I did and stuff, which I feel proud of doing it with, with the free Tibet and free Palestine. So after we finished that, I came down and then His Majesty, you know, he's the, he knighted me with, with um, Independence Medal. And then I came back to Edinburgh in 2008 saying, what am I going to do after all this? Like, you know, I couldn't go back to hospitality, but I wanted to work. So I worked in Edinburgh Zoo for three months and just things didn't work. And then I, I joined Edinburgh International Festival. I worked and I thought, you know what? I want to go back to university and do my master's degree in outdoor education studies. And I went back, I went to university, I applied. You know, they said you have to have a sport science degree. But when I met the professor, he was very impressed about everything I did. They said, you know, so I enrolled. But then I met Chrissy, which... Uh, in 2008 and then uh, we met here we got married Uh, she's half Scottish half uh, German and then she was moving here but she wanted to move back to Dublin where she's a teacher so we moved back to Dublin in 2010 so that's really what happened since you know I started climbing finishing the seven summit until I got to 2010 and when I you know, I had my first son, uh, uh, Eamon, uh, in 2010, and I was a full-time father looking after him. Like, this is, was my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing another course, doing personal trainer, doing like uh, once or twice a week part-time job working in an outdoor shop. And, you know, and then I started having my plan in my head that, you know, I wanted to to use what I did to inspire uh, people in the Middle East and and looking at the news and seeing what's been happening everywhere and uh, uh, about Islam, about mm-hmm. the Arabs, about all this. I thought I have to do something. And and this is when I thought to myself, I want to start climb. Now I did everything I wanted to do. I wanted to climb for cause. And this is when everything's changed uh, by 2011. Okay. Wow. So, so did, did you ever have any doubt as to whether you would achieve what you had done to that point? You know, I, I don't think I've ever had a doubt. I mean, I mean, I always believe if you, you see, if you believe in yourself mm-hmm. 100% and you totally believe in your idea, everyone around you will believe in you. If you have one single doubt, I think people will have doubt about you. Why would I believe somebody who doesn't believe in himself or he have a doubt about stuff? So I always have that technique by saying to myself, if I want to do something, I will go and do it because 
uh, I have to believe it in my heart. But I never, I never, I always followed my heart in my life. And, you know, sometimes when you follow your heart, you, you mess up a lot. But, you know, I will never regret anything. But when I believe something, I believe it from here in my gut. When I believe it in my gut, it comes to my heart and I totally believe it in my heart. And then my mind will just make the, uh, uh, do the work. It's the bitter station. Just, <laughs> I, will do, uh, I will do the work. I have a great human, like all humans have a great brain. It's just how you work it out. And I think, you see, to fill this or, or to amuse your brain is with knowledge, is by reading. So when I found about, when I had the dream about Everest, I read everything about Everest. I did everything I need to do. I did the training. I, I explore all aspects of everything that I'm doing. And this is what made me also confident about myself. Mm-hmm. Now, I stopped smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. And I start training. I got myself fit because that's what they need to do. I, there, there, is, there is a beautiful ayah in the Quran and it says that God will not change the condition of people until they want to change the condition of themselves. And I think you find this in every single religion in the world. Hmm. And if you want to change something, you have to start with yourself. I want to climb like I stop smoking. I stop doing lots of stuff and I stick with the routine to get me fit, because if I'm fit and confident, I could be fit on the mountain and I could use this brain better. So to go back to your question, doubt, I never had any doubt, not a single little doubt, not even about sponsorship, not I'm always being so positive. And I always think if it doesn't happen, it's not meant to happen. It's really not meant to happen. And I always believe also like the Dalai Lama, have a great uh, belief in this. And, and he says that if it's, if it's not happening to you now and you think, oh, bad, it's not happening, it's actually better for you because there is something better coming in a way. So, mm. and, and this is how I look at things. And, and I think when I had that dream, I did go through, like, I did go through a very hard time in my life. Like, it wasn't easy. Uh, uh, from coming from where I came from to be in London, to come to Scotland. I didn't know anybody. And I think that, that in that point, have I achieved something in my life that I could believe in myself. And, you know, having great friends around me as well that help. And, you know, uh, there's something else that helped me. I mean, you know, I, I used to go clubbing and, 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 and uh, a club called Taste in, in Edinburgh. And I met an amazing friend who was my best friend until now. Yeah. So that, and I explore lots of stuff in my head. And, and it, did me, it did me really well. Like I will never regret anything that I did in my life hmm. because this is the way I am now and the way Mustafa is now because of everything I went through. So, you know, there is lots of aspect when you have the right people around you that will help you to achieve your dream. When you have... When you when you've gone through so much, that will make you achieve your dream. And nothing came easy. I mean, you know, I'm telling you the stories of not everything, you know, how I lived in a basement flat, you know, trying to 
with these coins and and things and sometimes I don't have any coins and I'm I'm, I'm staying in in the dark for like a whole night and stuff mm-hmm. and didn't have enough money because I used to work in the morning I used to go to university I come back and work in the evening I used to work in a next generation healthy club I did uh, my personal uh, aerobic instructor things and I was doing stuff and I finished I used to work in Buffalo Grill like in the evening and so I did work hard and I stayed up and I did everything I wanted to do to achieve uh, to become a general manager. And I wasn't far from becoming a general manager. I have two years, three years I could become a general manager. But everything changed because there is something telling me there is something better that's going to happen. And because I totally, totally believed in myself and, and I have the passion of change. Yeah, I, mm. I didn't know that my passion is in mountaineering. And sometimes I said to people, I'm not a mountaineer. Like, you know, I'm, I could look at other mountaineer who's doing like a south face of Everest, who's doing some, some really uh, technical stuff that I cannot do. But what I have the passion for is the passion for change, the passion to inspire, the passion to make uh, a different. And, and that's what keep me going all the time. It's, it's so inspiring. It really is. It, but it is, you know, it's just, it's absolutely remarkable. Thank you. Um, when did the idea to tackle the poles come about then? I think in 2014, I've never skied in my life. Yeah. So uh, I thought, you know what, I'm going to learn how to ski because I've, I've heard about something called Grand Slam of polar adventure and mountaineering. So you do the Seven Summit and you need to do the South and North Pole. So... I thought, okay, I'm going to go to France in January 2014, learn how to ski. Like, I can't ski downhill because I don't have the balance every time. I keep falling over and stuff. And I thought, okay, the good things in the South Pole, North Pole, is not much of going up and down. I just knew how to do uh, a cross-country ski. And I've learned how to ski. And then 2014, I went to the North Pole uh, for the first time. And it wasn't very easy at all. Uh, it was it was hard, but I enjoyed it. And this is what led me to go and do the full distance of the South Pole to do the last, uh, not just the last degree. No, I thought I'll do the Messiner route, which is becoming the first Arab and the first Muslim to do it as well. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, when I come up with the idea to say I want to do something. I just want to do it because our Mustafa went to gay to be the first and stuff. No, I really wanted a message to deliver a message to people. And I think 2014, 15, 16, there were so much things going on in the Middle East, ISIS and all this problem that's happening. I really wanted to do something to become the first Muslim to do it. Not in the name as a first Muslim, but to show I'm not going to defend Islam because Islam doesn't need any defending. Mm-hmm. I think the people who use that religion in their agenda and political agenda, this is what's happening. I don't want to go into politics uh, 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 a lot, but I think, you know, Islam is a beautiful religion. And listen, I, I am a Muslim and I could pray in the mosque. I could pray in a church. I could pray in a temple because God is in my heart. And I believe the same God is the God of Christianity, the God of uh, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism. It's the same God. And I respect absolutely every single religion. I mean, my, my wife is Christian. Yeah. So, and my uh, kids, 
uh, grow up to be uh, Muslims and Christians. They go to the church, they go to the mosque, they we celebrate Christmas, Easter, Ramadan, <laughs> Eid. I have no problem with that, you know? And I think what the problem is with small amount of people. I mean, you have 1.7 billion Muslims all over the world. And you have single one, per, not even 1% of people who's mm. doing what they're doing. And I tell you what, from here, and I read the whole Quran, and I know my religion very well, there is no 60 virgin or whatever waiting for anybody when you explode yourself and killing all these people. Mm-hmm. Nothing. There is no God on earth. Well, be happy for you to kill another human being. We don't mm-hmm. believe in this. We don't believe that you're 60 virgin. You're not going to get 60 virgin. You're going to get 60 hell and, and, and you know, waiting for you. Mm-hmm. So I believe that, you know, religion is a beautiful thing. So I, I love spirituality and, and, and I love to explore all religion. But I'm not uh, narrow-minded of... Uh, uh, looking at one religion and try to change you and make you a Muslim and stuff. It's, you know, there is, it's very clearly in the Quran. There is a big, there is an ayah said, you have your religion, I have my religion. And, and I'm not going to force you to believe in what I believe and you don't force me to believe. I respect you and you respect me. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, when I come, came to this country, I mean, you know, look at Edinburgh, you go, there is big mosque, there is mosque everywhere. Uh, there is, uh, uh, you go anywhere in the city, there is a mosque you could pray in. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to pray. Nobody's stopping you to do it. So you, you, I, I'm not going to come and change the whole city. No, I respect the, uh, the, the city. I respect the culture. I respect everything in the city. I go to the church and pray in the city. I have no problem with that because if you don't like it and you want to make a change and you want to live under whatever you come up with, well, you could go back and live somewhere where you could find that. Mm-hmm. But if you come into a country in Islam, you have to respect every single rule in that country. And if you cannot find the most to pray in, you could pray in your house mm. because God is in your heart, is not in the places and stuff. Mm. So, uh, uh, you know, this is something that's also drive me to, to, to have these challenges and stuff. Okay, I do, um, uh, in 2011, I started an initiative called From the Lowest to the Highest for Cancer. And I didn't start it myself. I was inspired by an 11 years old girl who I was doing a talk in, 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 uh, uh, for the kids. And the nurse came and said, oh, there is one girl could not came out uh, to, 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 to watch you because her immune system is, is um, very low. Would you go to her room? I said, yeah, definitely. So I went to the room, took my laptop. I went and there's like tubes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I felt so sorry for her. Showed her uh, Everest and stuff. And she was asking me, 11 years old, she was asking me all these questions. She said, how long did you stay? Uh, I said, 72 days. How long did you stay in the summit? I said, oh, 45, uh, 45 minutes. You know, I was lucky. The weather was great. What did you use? I used robes. And she was asking me all these questions. And, you know, she said to me, she said, you know what? I climbed Everest so many times, more than you. And I'm not just taking me 72 days, taking me three years. And I went up in the top of my pain, not in the excitement. I've been in the top of my pain for six months and I cannot move. I cannot, you could see me. Mm-hmm. And you know, the ropes that you have used to get you up to the top, you need, we need these ropes and people like you to believe in, in, in helping us and motivate us and inspire us. And it's like, 
it just made me feel nothing. It made me feel everything that I did, mm-hmm. it made feel nothing. And this is what I thought to myself. And I asked myself, I said, what I'm doing? Like what? I need to do something for cause. And this is when I started all my climb to do for cause. So straight away, we came up lowest to highest for cancer. I invited two groups, one to Everest Space Camp, one to Kilimanjaro, celebrities in Jordan. And we fundraised $2 million for that center. And then I did something for uh, uh, schools in Gaza. We, we fundraised some money there for UNRWA, United Nations. Mm-hmm. And then I took the first blind uh, ever Arab to get up to the top of Africa, the MB- first amputees who lost his leg in cancer. Uh, I'm taking the first ever uh, wheelchair to Africa, to Kilimanjaro. I've taken two boys, uh, a girl and a boy, uh, mentally challenged as well, special needs, up to uh, uh, the highest point in the Arab world. So that's what I'm targeting now. To take people still will be my business as well, but in the same time, I'm fundraising money for charity Mm -hmm. and changing people's life. And this is really the most excitement. And I think... I always think that dream happened in 2004 because of what I'm doing now. It's not because I'm the first or whatever, because the change I'm making now and, 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 and the inspiration and the dream that I'm trying to achieve for other people, not just for me, especially for cause like cancer. I mean, you look at people who have cancer and what they go through, it's mm-hmm. looking at Everest. I mean, look at the South Pole. I mean, I, I skied for 56 days, dragging behind me 100 kilos, temperature going to minus 50. It's nothing compared to uh, people who have cancer or people who have a special needs. Like mm-hmm. I, I was, uh, 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 two weeks ago, I was in this center with disability, um, mental disability. And, you know, I was so inspired and motivated by these people, more than I'll be inspired by anybody. I mean, if you ask me, who's your inspiration? 11 years old girl with the cancer is my inspiration. Mm. A, t- a 12 years old with disabilities is my, uh, they're the people who inspire me. They're the people who I come out and be totally inspired to make a change. Truly mm. really incredible. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so having done everything that you've done now, I mean, which is a, an unbelievable amount of stuff, what do you have planned for the future? Where do you see yourself going? You know, I mean, I, I was very, I was very proud to, to to bring my first book, Dreams of Refugee, out, which is uh, uh, being published by Bloomsbury. And you know, you might see a movie as well in, in this in this book coming wow. uh, out out <laughs> soon. Uh, uh, but I mean, you know, I have planned to take the first Jordanian woman to climb Everest because I want to say, in my culture, woman is the center of everything. I mean, you, what you hear about, uh, uh, you know, the Middle East and woman being depressed and stuff and press and, you know, they have to wear this and do this mm-hmm. is, you need to come and visit the Middle East and you would know that my mom is the boss in the house, not my dad. So <laughs> and you can see that in, a, in a lots of houses. So, but I wanted to take the first Jordanian woman to climb Everest and hopefully 2019. And because I wanted to say that woman can do exactly what men can do. I mean, a woman who's pregnant, nine months, yeah. climb Everest nine, nine times, more than anything the man can do. Mm-hmm. I look after my three kids for one day, I lose one for 20 minutes. They look at my wife and what she does with my kids that's absolutely unbelievable so 
I mean, I wanted to do this. I wanted to also uh, keep climbing for cause and, you know, um, fundraising money for cancer and other uh, other charity. I'm, I'm actually doing the 777, which is seven marathons in seven days in seven continents in 2019. And I wanted to do this as well for cancer, for King Hussein Cancer Center, because King Hussein... Uh, was one of my role models uh, uh, who passed away a long time ago. And I wanted to do something for that center, which is, you know, so this is going to be a massive challenge for me. But after all, I want to keep inspiring uh, the new generation in the Middle East to believe in their dream, to open their mind in different culture and different religion. And I think that's the most important thing. So I've, I've, I've wrote a contract to the publishing house to write a, a children's story, seven part of children's story, Everest, Antarctica. Each part have like, uh, uh, say, polar bear and penguins traveling with me and we talk about global warming. And each story have something that we tackle uh, 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 and talk about religion, talk about culture. So we're trying to put this children's story for people to open the children's mind uh, about different aspects in life. Uh, you know, I want to look after my kids because I think my biggest Everest is my three boys. And, 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 and uh, I have four, four boys uh, and, and they would be my Everest. And I think this is something... Uh, you know, future, I wanted to make sure that I want them to uh, uh, go on the right path and do their passion. And, you know, hopefully one day they play for Scotland or they play whatever. And mm. and uh, I wanted to be there for them. Uh, I want to go to space, uh, hopefully by 2021. Uh, mm. You know, there is always something that uh, you can do. Uh, I mean, you know, I like to plan things, and but I don't clink on it. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But uh, uh, I just want to make a change. I want to make uh, uh, a good change. I want to inspire a generation to come, uh, not just in the Middle East, everywhere, to, to say to everyone that if you really have a dream, you could achieve it. And mm. one other thing, Pablo Picasso says that everything you can imagine is real. And I really believe it. And I want so many people to believe that everything that you can imagine is real. As long as you have the knowledge for it, as long as you prepare for it, and as long as you, th- you know there is nothing going to come to you, you have, you have to run after things and bring it to you and surround yourself with the right people because that's really important. And, mm-hmm. and people who understand what you do. And I think people who does not understand what you do, they're not going to be in your life anyway. And they're not going to be important because they don't understand it. And you will always end up with the people who really means a lot to you. They will always be around. Wherever you go, whatever you do, they will always be around. And um, yeah, I think that's how I look in, 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 in the future. I mean, you know, I never know. I don't know what, what another... Uh, mad idea uh, will come and I will follow. So we'll see. <laughs> but what what do you feel is kind of your your purpose in life? You know, now I believe that my purpose in life is to make a change, and mm. you know, and and I look at, uh, at 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 you know, I look at the Middle East and I look at what's happening now and everything that's happening around us, and I want to 
as I said, look at these young people and inspire them. I go to school around Jordan. They teach my story at the fourth grade, eighth grade, and the high school. Yes, they they teach. (laughs) Uh, I'll be in the Jordan Museum. Like my stuff that I climbed Everest is Rabart in the Jordan Museum where my stuff is. So it's going to be there. I have a space uh, with my tent, with everything I wear. Uh, I do lots of talks around the Middle East and... You know, and I, I'm, 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 I'm really lucky to, to have done what I've done because I could see the change in some people and I could see like letters coming or like, you know, messages coming in Facebook and social media and for people uh, saying that they now believe in their dream. Now they can do uh, so much. And, you know, something very important is the refugee uh, aspect and what's happening now. And um, mm-hmm. I would I would call myself a refugee because I've, I've came from different background to, you know, when I came to this beautiful city, uh, I take the Scottish flag everywhere I go. In every single seven summit, South Pole, North Pole, I wear my kilt, the real Scottish kilt in the South Pole. And <laughs> Because this is what I pay back to this city. Because that's what I, uh, because I love this city and what it gave me. I'm proud to be British uh, uh, and precisely Scottish. I'm proud because it gave me that nobody gave me. So it's important we look at the refugees and what happened. I don't think these people choose to leave their country. I think they they forced to leave their mm-hmm. country. And I think this is the people who believe then. And you look at lots of people like uh, the guy who started Apple, what his name, uh, uh, God bless his soul. Um, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. You know, yeah. his, his family was from Syria. They moved to, to, to America. And look what, uh, what the change that he made in the whole of the United States. And I think we need to give that chance for refugee because... Hopefully things will get better and they go back to their own country. And I think this is a very, and that's why my book called Dreams of a Refugee, because we have to look at them in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know there's lots of people have their own uh, little opinion on this stuff, but I think it's, it's, it's very important. Now, the other thing is religion and, you know, bringing, like, you know, looking at um, when I was doing the... Uh, talk at school today and I've looked at everyone and you you look at completely I asked the teacher he said you know we have about 25 different country in this just in this class and it was from everywhere and different religion different culture different background this is what it should be mm-hmm. everyone should be we shouldn't put religion in the middle of everything religion is something between you and God Nothing, nothing more. That's it. You could go and practice it, do what you want between you and God. But we always, we all have to live together as, as, um, as one nation with the values that you, 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 you look at is the respect that we respect each other. It doesn't matter what your color, what you believe, where you come from. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that I am thrive to, to do. Uh, and, you know, I mean, fortunately, I had the opportunity to travel the world and see everything and I could bring it back, especially for the Middle East and, and, and open this next generation mind to look at things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's what, that's what I want to do. Like I'm not, uh, you know, I always say to myself, I'm, I'm, too, I'm an ordinary guy yeah, do, doing extraordinary things <laughs> that I believe that I can do. 
And I push myself to the limitation of man's word to do it. But I do it because I have a goal. Because I wanted to make a change in that goal. It's not because I want to do it because I want to be the first. No, I really want to make a change. And that's what pushed me to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how would you like to be remembered? What would you like your legacy to be? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, my legacy is somebody who, who, who turned dreams to reality, who make the dreams come true. And, and that's it, who made everything that he imagined uh, real. And that made um, uh, a total change in my society. And yeah. uh, that I help people, that's it. That's what, uh, you know. And I want my kids to be proud of me. That's the most important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you most grateful for in life? Family, you know, family yeah. and friends. That's the most grateful things. I mean, my mom, my dad, that's, you know, having a great health, my, my kids, my wife, my, uh, my friends, having the, the, the good health is the most important things. Uh, I don't look at anything else. Everything else go and come, money and houses and stuff that's go and come. You make it. I think uh, what everyone should be be grateful and look at. I'm, you know, when I'm in the South Pole or Everest and stuff and you're there in a tent at 26,000 feet or a minus 50, the only things you think about are your family. No, mm-hmm. no nothing else. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a healthy four boys and that's, that's, you know, when I look at my boys that they could move and eat and stuff, that's, that's everything I want in life. Yeah, yeah. One of my favourite quotes is, um, I am not a drop in the ocean, I am the entire ocean contained within one drop, which was said by Rumi, yes. who I know is somebody who's who's influenced you. I mean, who are some of the other people that have influenced or inspired you? You know, I I was inspired by Khalil Gibran, which is a, a, a Lebanese writer who wrote The Prophet. When I read The Prophet, The Alchemist, Pablo mm. Coelho, that was a massive, yeah. massive impact in my life. Now, if I go back in the beginning, like Stephen Torsey, one of my best friends who impacted my life in big time, and Caroline Farther, and these two people impacted in my life when I came to, uh, when I was in London, I didn't know anybody. They were my first friend. You know, I, I, I learned a lot from them. And I think I always say to them, like, I've learned everything that you wanted to do, and I went and did it straight away. I had the action to go and do it, and I made the change. So this is two people, like my mom, you know, she, uh, my mom is one of my people who totally changed my life. And, you know, I could see how, how, how she having, having these 10 children and she was looking after them sometimes in her own because my dad was traveling in these lorries, uh, around the countries. And, you know, there is, there is so many other people, uh, uh, like, uh, writers like Rumi, definitely. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Rumi made me see God in my heart, which mm-hmm. I didn't see before. And, uh, I, I, I loved Sufism and my religion more because of Rumi. Mm-hmm. And it made me understand it better and wiser and mm-hmm. made me look at the old, the fruit, not just from Islam, from Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, every, every, every other, aspect of uh, uh, spirituality, which is, uh, and, 
you know, people who I met, like, you know, there is those people I met, like this 11 years old girl in, in the cancer center who inspired me to uh, uh, climb for cause. Maybe if I don't met her, I will be still climbing and doing stuff and not raising money for charity. So mm. this is something, and I think it's good to meet people like this. But the most important thing is take something and change it. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, lots of my friends inspire me, and 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 you know, I I have a, fr- a very good friend of mine, Mary. She she inspire me, and she 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 always there to get me in the right uh, place. Um, my wife inspired me by mm. looking after my three kids. She's a hero. She's she climbing Everest every day when she's looking after the kids and stuff. And I appreciate that so much. Mm-hmm. For her being working as a teacher and looking after the kids, this is a massive thing. That's not easy at all. So, um, you know, I think inspiration, it doesn't just come from uh, uh, great people because I think greatness, it's, it's, um, exists in each and, and, and one of us because mm-hmm. it's, uh, you bring greatness. I think we all have greatness in us. It's mm-hmm. how you bring it out and how you make the change. And I think lots of people, uh, maybe stay somewhere in a job or stay in their uh, a place of uh, and they don't move because they worry of the change because they don't want to risk because they are secure they have their own they're paying for the mortgage and whatever and they're not going to change at all but I believe you have to follow your passion mm-hmm. because that is actually your inspiration that's the people uh, and you have to look at uh, you know uh, 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 at at anything that anything that inspire me is that gonna make change me to the better, not to bring me down. And that's that's it could be an eleven years old uh, girl, boy, or uh, um, um, somebody like Albert Einstein. The exactly the same things. There is no difference between these two people. Mm-hmm. But what you take from it is what uh, you make in your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you spoke a, a bit about, you know, um, ISIS, Islamic extremism. I mean, what do you think can be done to, uh, I don't know, combat's not really the right word, um, alleviate it or kind of improve the situation? Media. I mean, look at yeah. media. I mean, look at newspaper. Uh, I, you see somebody who's British or French and they did something, they bombed something. The first things you see in the headline British Muslim, French Muslim. Mm. And then you see somebody in America who's Christian, who killed people uh, all over. They call them mad. They wouldn't say a Christian. Ter- why, why would you not say a Christian terrorist? Yeah. Uh, a Jews that killed Palestinian in, 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 in Palestine, why would you not call a, ter- a Jew terrorist? Why not, why not call them in these names? A Buddhist in Myanmar where they're killing Rohamvar people. Mm-hmm. In hundreds, why would you not call them a, a Buddhist terrorist? This is where uh, this is where the double standard. This is where I see media have a massive. And when you think what's happening in, in the UK, and you have British Muslim who look at the newspaper or the TV, and they keep saying that name, uh, uh, a British uh, Muslim terrorist, Muslim terrorist. What do you think they're going to grow up? Some mm-hmm. people will take it in a completely different way. So we have to completely separate. This maniac who do this stuff because we don't agree with them. Mm-hmm. We do, Islam doesn't agree with them, but we bring in that name straight away and connected. Yes, they are Muslim. Some of them never been in a mosque. 
yeah? But they been influenced and washed brain by some idiots as well like them. Yeah. And go on and 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 do something and bomb themselves and kill other people. I mean, we there is nobody who will agree with it. So, I think media have a massive, massive impact of what's happened. And I think the minute the media start changing that, uh, I think it uh, change will happen. And I tell you, ISIS is not made of. Uh, it's 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 made by uh, America and, and 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 other countries, by the way. So mm-hmm. it's not. Uh, made by uh, uh, Muslims, yeah? And there is other uh, part of, of the Middle East that, uh, um, you know, we look at the Saudis and that you, uh, the government have supporting and they sell them weapons while they kill um, uh, Yemeni in Yemen. Mm-hmm. So there is, there is a double standard here that we have to look and, and we have to look our, uh, uh, after our kids and, and and when they watch the news and see these messages this is where i think it's uh it's wrong so media is the biggest things that we have to look at mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah what is the best piece of advice you've ever received the best piece of advice that i ever received i think the best piece of advice is from my dad and you know i think he my dad told me um about change he said you know it's uh, about mistake when you do mistakes he said, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from the mistake that you do and and that's always when i was eight years old always stick in my head that is okay that if I make a mistake, but I have to learn from that mistake and never go back to it. And mm-hmm. I think this is an advice from my dad, which I always like believe. And the other advice from uh, uh, um, a teacher, a Sufi teacher, that tell me that always follow your heart, always listen to your heart with everything that you see, you know, with anything in life, always look at it. Don't believe everything you read. Don't mm-hmm. believe everything that people say to you. Always, if you don't know, ask the heart and always believe in it. And this is what I always did. I always believed in my heart. And and that advice was in 2002. And I always followed my heart since. And before that, I followed my heart. But after, you know, in 2004 and my dream came, I totally, straight away, I thought that's, I'm going to follow my heart totally leave everything, drop everything in my life, and I'm going to follow it. And that's what I did. So follow your heart with everything that you do. That's the most important. (laughs) How do you define success? What does success look like for you? You know, I think success is change. It's when you change things around you. And that's what success. I don't don't put success in in the... in a financial way or, mm. you know, I don't put success in what you do yourself and changing yourself. I think the success, the biggest success is how you change around you, the people around you. That's that's the massive success. Hmm. If you had the opportunity to speak to your 20-year-old self, what would you say? <laughs> mm. You know what? I would never change anything in my whole life. If I spoke to the 20 years old myself, I mean, now I would just, like, I mean, I would never ever imagine in my whole life 
when I was 20, before I left Jordan and come work as a butler, that I'm going to be in that, you know, in, in where I am now at all. So really, there is nothing to say to myself in 20 years. There's nothing to say. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to change anything in the world, what would it be and why? If I want to change anything in the world, I would change war, you know, I would change because, you know, I grew up in that. Uh, my, my family came from uh, from that part of the world, 1948. They have to leave their country because it was occupied. So if we could all live in peace and harmony, that would be amazing. And, you know, I, I hate war. I hate all these things that's going on in the Middle East and, and not just in the Middle East and all over the world. And just that we could all live in peace and we could still sell in weapon to to maniacs to kill other people and you know i think that that's my only that's my only things and rather than spend these monies and weapon and stuff we could help other nation to um and you know there is some nation that you know they they dying and hunger and, mm-hmm. and and diseases uh, rather than use this money this way, we could use it in another way, and we could all live in peace. And because we're all the same, and and I believe that uh, uh, somebody like me who have a family in Dublin, uh, have kids, he wants exactly the same things like somebody in India or somebody in 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 Africa or somebody in South America. You need a, a roof over your head. You need security. You need them to to learn. And, 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 and good education to be good people that's what you want mm-hmm. everywhere in the world is exactly the same thing so I would change totally well I, I would change all politicians that's the first things that you could do just take mm-hmm. them all off and you know let's people who lead us to be the artists and 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 the the the, the beautiful people who want the beautiful things in in life you know um that's it, really. No, no, you know, we just want a, a world that live in peace, with no war, with nothing like this, with no hunger. That's the beautiful world that we could like. And that's what, uh, 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 if you go back to every single generation, and, you know, you go back to the Egyptian mythology, Greek mythology, there's always been war and war and war. Yeah. And now we are in 21st century. And we have this amazing things called technology that we should use to bring people together, mm-hmm. to uh, make friends and not make enemies. Hmm. That's a great answer. I mean, given all of the things that you've done, all of your achievements, all of your accolades, what is the thing that you are most proud of? My kids, definitely. Yeah, My four boys, <laughs> that's, that's the biggest pride and... You know, I think that's 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 the bigger things in my life. And I mean, if I'm talking about all my uh, adventure and stuff, is is fundraising money for cancer. Mm-hmm. That's what would be really helping other people, bringing the blind guy to the top of Africa because that was a dream for him before he lost his sight. Bringing an amputees that he lost his leg with cancer to. Uh, uh, to do a climb, that that was his dream. These little things, I think, helping people is really my passion, and 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 that's what makes me so so proud. 
Mustafa, I've had so much fun speaking with you. Um, you. It's been a, an enormous pleasure um, and listening to your answers and, and everything that you've done. I think it's absolutely incredible. Thank and I just, you. I just want to thank you for your time today. And yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Perfect. Me too. <laughs> Mustafa, <laughs> thank, thank you so much. Cheers. Thank cheers. you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks. You've been listening to Inspired Edinburgh. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe for more powerful conversations. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show and we'll see you at the next episode.